0: Welcome to the Profit Cash Growth Podcast. This is the podcast for six and seven figure business owners who are looking to grow a financially successful business. My co host Claire Hancock is a finance director, chartered accountant, and entrepreneur. And every week I'll be exploring guidance and frameworks designed to help you increase your profits, improve your cash flow, and grow your business. Hi Claire,
1: how are you this week? Good, thank you. Been very, very busy. The economy definitely seems to be on the up this week and we've had a record-breaking week. So yeah, it's a very positive start to February for us at the moment. How about you?
0: Yes, the same, the same. I would say, um, yeah, I mean, January just seemed to get better and better as we've entered February. um, Business is booming after 12 months of of, of a difficult market, really. So really, really pleased to see that. I think think confidence is driving that. Uh, General economic confidence means people can move forward and do things make big purchases and all that kind of great stuff which is good
1: yeah definitely i'm seeing um not seeing any of the downside that some of the economists are talking about and there seems to be plenty of money swishing about at the moment certainly if you go to restaurants and bars on a saturday night you can see they're rammed all the time so definitely looks like a positive for our economy at the moment
0: absolutely as we always say a good business will always float to the top so anyway shall Very we dive straight into uh, this week's news story So I believe this week you've uh, you've seen something that's caught your eye in the news.
1: Yes, yeah, so I've been reading a lot about Uber this week. Um, they have been in the news because over the past 10 years, Uber hasn't made a profit. Um, in fact, they've racked up nearly 32 billion US dollars in losses. And for the first time ever, they recorded four consecutive quarters of making a profit. So just to clarify, they have made um, a profit in a quarter previously, but they've never had four profitable quarters in a year. So this is a record for Uber.
0: So I always see this and uh, with with all big businesses, uh, obviously, we know they're sort of hugely funded. But why do you think that they can go for so long without making a profit? And that runway is kind of, you know, so big for the plane that takes off.
1: Mm. So obviously, Uber floated. um, That's how they funded a a lot of their business. But they have invested so much money into research and development of new product lines you know when they first started out they were yeah. just a taxi business and now they're uber freight they've got uber eats and um, all of these different uh, brands of uber springing up especially with automation and um, driverless cars and things like that but actually one of the reasons that they've been able to go for so long is because the cost of debt has been so low with interest rates at uh, historical rock bottom rates and that actually came back to, to by uber in the bum in 2022 when interest rates started going up and it was very clear that this actually wasn't sustainable for uber they couldn't have low profits huge investments and huge debts with the interest rate soaring so their share price actually plummeted um, over 50 percent in 2022 and that was a very clear signal that investors were wanting profitable mm companies now and that they weren't necessarily willing anymore to invest in these companies on a long-term basis if they could get easy returns of five plus percent by putting the cash in the bank
0: yeah this is why um why we're seeing these um kind of so-called zombie companies as they call them that have been propped Mm. up by very very cheap debt for long long periods but actually perhaps aren't fundamentally profitable as or as profitable as they need to be to to sort of um keep going um on an ongoing basis but
1: Yeah, absolutely. And zombie companies is actually one of the things that Jeremy Hunt's been talking about quite a lot, saying that zombie companies are basically their companies that barely get by. And they've been able to survive because they've been able to source debt really low to fund themselves. And Jeremy Hunt has been saying a lot that actually one of the reasons why we have low productivity in the UK is because of these so-called zombie companies sapping good workers and investment from banks and venture capitalists and things like that that could if these zombie companies didn't exist this money and resource could go into other companies who are much better at turning that into a really good profit um, so it's a really interesting conversation about how just how damaging the low interest rates have been to the UK business um, industry over the last 10 years or so
0: yeah I thought I mean what did you think about the self-employed element in in with with uber you know when the IR 30 is it ir thirty uh, five? Where mm-hmm. they had to suddenly employ everybody, and um, you know, I felt like that was going to have a massive impact on kind of the, the margins that they had there. But clearly, they're coming out, you know, with with these big numbers.
1: Yeah, I, it happened. Uh a fairly convenient time for Uber, actually, because they, at the start, they had been incredibly aggressive on their pricing. And one of the reasons that they weren't making much of a profit is because they priced themselves far low in competitors to win market share and grow their business. And they had established themselves as a very, very well known brand. And, you know, they got to that point, it's called genericized, I think, where you refer to a taxi as an Uber rather than a taxi, they'd got to that kind of that holy Mm. grail of like Hoover and Byro and Tannoy and company like that when your business gets used as a verb yeah so actually they were at the perfect point to increase their prices anyway because you know I will always default to Uber as the first app because of convenience I don't want to sit on the phone and speak to taxi companies and things like that so from that perspective actually it didn't have as much of an impact um, on the future of their business obviously it did come with some quite chunky historical um, payments that they had to make in terms of fines and compensation to employees and things like that though.
0: Great, brilliant. Fascinating, fascinating stuff Claire as always Um, but let's move on to this week's sort of deep dive and uh, see what we're going to chat about. So I've been watching uh, one of your YouTube videos this week which uh, was titled The Safest Ways to Grow Your Business but actually is for uh, four ways to grow your business. And they're not all necessarily safe, are they? Um, and those those were market penetration, market development, product development, and diversification. Um, so shall we just dive straight in with number one?
1: Yeah, so I'll give you a little bit of an overview for um, anybody who hasn't seen the YouTube video yet. It's I talked about um, a very famous economics or business model um, called the matrix, Ansoff Matrix, A N S O F. So do go and Google it, check it out. It's very, very um, visual matrix. And it very clearly breaks down the four available strategies if you want to grow your business. Um, every growth idea that a business has would fall into one of these four strategies. And it's a really phenomenal way of putting some structure behind your ideas. But also what I think is most important about this is that it really just helps business owners to manage the risk uh, when it comes to growing their business. And it's a really great way of helping to decide which is the right option to move forward with.
0: Fantastic. Brilliant. Brilliant. And that's all about, um, you know, uh, so in my world of estate agency, that would be about exactly what I'm pursuing at the moment, which is growing market share within a tight geographical area or, or something along those lines.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the first and least riskiest option for growing your business is called market penetration. So that would always be your number one option as a business owner. And that is when you're going to simply do more of what you're doing now. So you're going to take your existing products and your existing customer base, and you're going to sell more to them. So When I say customer base, sorry, I don't mean your actual customer list. I mean your type of customer or your marketplace that you're serving into. So if you're serving, I don't know if you provide catering to schools, you're going to try and sell more catering to more schools. It's as simple as that. Um, And that's called market penetration. So you either need to grow your market share. So you need to steal market share from your competitors, or if you're in a growing market, then this is also a really great way to grow. So as I said, this is the least riskiest because it's doing more of what you already do so What's realistic
0: one... then in you know in terms of sort of saturation or saturating the market if i'm a business owner and i've got five percent of my market that i believe that, that 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 i've got there what um you know is it is it feasible that i could double that to 10 is it feasible that I could be 25 um is is there an easy way to understand how far you push that because presumably we're going to move on to when when you've really focused down and and Reached a some sort of saturation point that you then move to scaling outside of that market or something along those lines. But how do you know when that time is?
1: Yeah, it is a really difficult question. And there isn't a right or wrong answer for that. Um, I, I say would that. say I that some... <laughs> you you need to have a look Quick at wins. how big the overall market is. Yep. If the market isn't growing, then that is going to be quite difficult because the only yeah. way for you to increase your um, your income in this market is going to be by stealing market share. So then it all comes down to differentiation, how good you are at competing with your competitors. Um, and it also depends whether you're in a hyper-local market, because if you're a hyper-local business, so that's something where you've got a physical um geographical location, So maybe like a, a nursery or a hairdressers where people are only ever going to travel so far to you. If you're limited on geography and a hyperlocal business, then again, your market will only ever be so big and there isn't much you can do about that. So it does depend on a lot of factors that go into the business. But what I would say is that most businesses can grow to multi-eight figures just on market penetration alone. And I think we've all heard of the sort of shiny object syndrome and focus yeah. and things like that. And I think that's the biggest mistake that a lot of small business owners make is that they underestimate the opportunity and market penetration and they come up with these amazing fancy ideas to, to take on one of the other growth strategies when they haven't yet exhausted market penetration.
0: That was going to be my next question. That Do you come across that often with, with clients that you work with and businesses that you work with that actually they're just spreading themselves too thinly and they're not really you know, milking every opportunity that's right under their nose before they move on to the next thing? Or I used to call it uh, making sure that one plate's spinning before you then move on to spinning the next plate because the ultimate thing is that they all need to spin at the same time and you don't want them to, to drop.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And when we're talking about big businesses, big businesses will naturally should naturally be doing market penetration as sort of their day to day business. You know, they've got very established sales teams, and their kind of sole job is really market penetration. And they just got to keep that sales number increasing and increasing year on year. But when you're in a small business, um, you don't quite have the the hundreds of, of sales force in your team to do that. So it does come down to focus. And that's why I think there's often lots and lots of opportunity um, that business owners just sort of gloss over and don't quite yeah. see how valuable no. this could be. Because if it's doing more of what you're doing at the moment, your business is structured for it. So from yeah. that perspective, it's easy. It works. the easiest option. I will never say it's easy, but it's the easiest option because your processes, your systems, your people, it's everything that they're used to at the moment.
0: If there's, um, uh, I guess, looking at your competitors' market share is a good way to know where you are on that roadmap. And, uh, you know, a crude, a crude method would be saying, oh, if the market leader can have X percentage, then that must be achievable in some shape or form to, 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 to sort of replicate that with your own business. But... Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it, it is an interesting one. I mean, what's your view if if you're trying to do that? If you're a small business owner and you're trying to to sort of grow your market share, but you're not getting the results that you're hoping for, or you're not you're not achieving that growth, what 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 would you sort of suggest to them to do next? Um, and if they know that they're obviously they haven't saturated their market because they've got competitors that are far bigger, what if I know it's a very big question. <laughs> But you know, would you say work through? Have you worked through these things first? What could what sort of advice can we give them?
1: Yeah, so. If you are struggling to grow your market share, but as you say, you know your competitors have done it, so therefore it is feasible, then you do need to take a a hard look at yourself because probably something isn't hitting the mark when it comes to your product offering or your marketing or perhaps something in in your sales funnel. So that is also where I would be saying to business owners, they they tend to get to this point where they're they're struggling and Mm -hmm. they stop and they think, oh, well, it's the strategy. It's the wrong strategy. Let's do something different. Well, there has to be. It isn't the strategy
0: yeah they've got to find the reality is i mean the frustration is that if if somebody else has got that market share it's doable so therefore if you're not growing there's a constraint in your business and the, the fundamental thing that you need to do, do as a ceo of your business is to find that constraint and work out how you get over that and uh, i think um i think it's not it's not easy uh, it's difficult and Uh, And clearly, you know, chatting to people like yourself can help people explore things that, you know, they don't see when they're knee deep in their business day in, day out.
1: Yeah. The reality is as well. I mean, I know, Simon, you own an estate agency and you're number two in your town and... I know that you want to be number one and you push and push and push for number one. But there is also a point where the cost of competing to become number one actually means that this probably isn't the most profitable route now. So I think if you're if you're towards the top, then that's probably a sign that unless you're in a growing market, um if your market if the overall market size is just staying still so take you for example Simon with your estate agency there'll only ever be so many houses in your local town so if you're already that's uh, not not
0: true is it because they are building (laughs) actually you know the beauty is we're in a market that is a naturally and organically growing market you know chimney pots are appearing our population's growing so actually I would dispute that and say that actually you know that it's great if you've got a bit of a you know a tailwind behind you as well because you've you're in a growing market i mean i've worked in a, a in a market in newspapers 20 years ago and that was shrinking by 25% every year now that is difficult to grow a business into but
1: but yeah Yeah. um, but obviously the market size is not 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 increasing considerably and therefore i would suggest that number two is probably your saturation point um and i would consider whether from a profitability perspective the cost of competing to become number one is that really worth it or is that a sign that you are now ready to move on to one of the other strategies
0: That's fair enough. Great. Well, let's move on. So I've totally saturated my market. Um, I've now got 25% of my market. I think that's probably as saturated as I'm going to get. I'm going to move on to uh, growth strategy number two that you um, outlined in uh, your YouTube video, which is market development. So tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so market development is where you are going to take your existing products and services and sell them into new marketplaces. So the most obvious that we've just mentioned is within estate agency, market development would be a case of opening a new estate agency in a new town so you would just increase the geography of the area that you cover or if you're already UK based you might go and decide to open a branch somewhere in Europe for example Um, but you can also when we're talking about new markets we're also talking about different demographics so maybe you might be a holiday company a holiday tour company and you specialize in the over 65s and you might decide to go into the under 18s market for example or something like that right yeah
0: completely changing your target market and and trying to build upon it so I mean my fear would be and I'm I'm sure a lot of business owners will say the same thing is how do I do that or what are the what are the blind spots I need to look for if I move and focus on another market another area to make sure that the profitability and stability of my existing um, profits in my business remain the same I don't want to swap one for the other because that would be a bad business what you know what should I be thinking about
1: Yeah. So definitely profitability is a key one here. So this is a second least riskiest option because you're taking everything that you've already learned in your current business and you're going to replicate it. But generally I would suggest to business owners that they're only looking at replicating sales and operations if it's essential. And anything that's deemed I said back office. So, you know, finance, HR, IT, all of these kind of unsexy support services that sit in the background, even marketing to a certain extent that you should be looking to leverage that across your multiple locations or multiple areas as much as possible. And that's where you really start to increase your profit when you start to talk about scaling your business instead of growing your business. Uh, So scaling would be where you look to increase your business size and not increase your cost base. So if you're talking about an estate agency, Simon, you would go and put a sales team in, but you would probably have one person doing all of the marketing for both businesses.
0: Yeah. Or one sales progressor progressing all of the cases across exactly. multiple branches and various things. So try and merge the back offices and get economies of scale from those type of things. Great. Brilliant. So number three, uh, we're really getting a bit more risky here, as I, as I understand, um, is product development. So again, what, what's product development and when's the right time to do that? Should you do it at all? And what type of business?
1: Yeah. So product development has come sort of three out of four in terms of the risk factor on the Ansoff matrix. So it's definitely an advanced growth strategy and product development lends itself to businesses best that perhaps struggle with sales and marketing. Because what we're saying is that you are going to take your existing customer or your existing marketplace, but introduce new products to them. So we're not talking about new ranges. So if if you're an ice cream shop, you're not just going to increase your flavors. We're talking about selling a completely new, different product line. Right, so okay. that's why it's risky because... If you're thinking about stocked businesses, you know, you 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 don't really know whether these products are gonna sell. You could end up with um, you've got to put a lot of money into buying the stock and you could end up with obsolete stock and there's just everything about this is new and that's why yeah. it comes with more risk.
0: How close is this to literally starting a brand new business? So are you talking are you are you leveraging existing brands or, or things like that? Are you literally starting from scratch? What? What does that look like?
1: You're not starting from scratch because it's your existing markets and that's where you've got a leg up. Okay on maybe a competitor that was starting from scratch. Because what you want to try and do here is you want to increase your customer lifetime value. And if you get this right and you do this in the most perfect way, then actually you want to increase your customer order spend. So if, for example, you own a soft play and you've got customers coming into your soft play, you don't just want to say you can come into my soft play or you can come into my outdoor play area because that's an or so all you're doing is splitting right. the customer spend you want to say come into my soft play and go outside afterwards for half an hour and buy some food from me come and have have some lunch with me as well so this
0: is kind of if somebody you know the, the whole soft play analogy that you're using is i've got the soft play now i'm going to have the cafe in the soft play Absolutely, in addition. Yeah. so that i've got a completely another business that falls into the existing empire that i've got
1: yeah and so this works really well when you think about like supply chain and buying up or down your supply chain. So, you know, maybe if you're um, manufacturing something and you're buying a lot of boxes, then, you know, you might look to move up or down the supply chain and, and buy one of your suppliers potentially or uh, buy one right. of your customers, yep. maybe. That's Mergers, where you see this most often. That type
0: of thing. So quite yeah. an advanced strategy where once you've got some cash or, or you want to take a, a your sort of big step change in your business through investment and various other things, this could be a, a really good way to do that.
1: Yeah, and in terms of profitability, this can be incredibly profitable because if you take the analogy a of a um, soft play, like we just did, actually your marketing spend is about getting the customer through the door. So mm-hmm. you don't have mm-hmm. to market to them to come through the door for the soft play and then come through the door for the cafe. You just need to get them into your premises in the first place. So all of a sudden, there's these economies of scale here as well. And um, so if you're, yeah. if you're if you're if you do struggle with marketing or your customer acquisition cost is high. Um, So if you have a very long lead time, um, or you have a very high ticket price, then also this can be a really fantastic way to, to look at growing your business because you've got such a high outlay to acquire your customer that you then want to try and milk every last penny that you can get out of them when they do become your customer.
0: Excellent. Brilliant. Great. And then number four, Uh, finally, is diversification. Um, What do we mean by diversification, Claire?
1: Yeah, so diversification is four out of four in terms of risk factor when it comes to a growth strategy. And what we are saying with diversification is that you are going to take completely new products and services and sell them to completely new customers or marketplaces. So you can see immediately why this is so risky because you have essentially, you've got nothing you can leverage really. You've got no experience about your customers. You don't have an existing customer base that you can sell to and you don't have any experience with these products either. So typically when you look at diversification, the most successful diversifications usually happen by acquisition uh, where you're buying a, another company because they come ready-made with all of the skills, all of the processes and all of the experience needed. So that's generally why diversification is normally best done through acquisition.
0: Okay, great. And kind of the big diversification names that sort of spring to mind for me are people like Blockbuster and the whole Blockbuster Netflix thing, the whole Jessops, um, you know, digital camera thing. These are kind of big businesses who, you know, zooming out critically should have diversified way earlier than they did. and, And it was the demise of them in many, in many cases. But again, it's, I guess it's really difficult when you're a very profitable business to say, like mm. Do I do that, and how what are the warning signs you're looking for as a business owner to say, I need to pull this this number four lever, which is the the high risk lever because I really need to do this to to continue to survive or move forward
1: yeah so really the best businesses when it comes to diversification are big big companies that have got cash sloshing around there is a a phrase that you when you have spare cash in your bank there's a phrase that is buy or be bought so it basically means that you use that cash and you buy another business or someone will want to buy you because you're cash rich Mm. so that's why this tends to be for the big big corporates um actually blockbuster is a really good example of where they didn't need to diversify. they actually just needed to do some product development because they had a really, really good customer base. You know, they literally had millions of customers that would go into their shops and buy from them. And there was a complete gap in the market that Love Film moved into um, and started doing film rental digitally. So Blockbuster could have done that as well if they had actually done yeah. product development. They didn't need to diversify.
0: Diversify specifically. Actually, yeah, if you... If you enact these various growth strategies at the right time in your Mm. business's um, sort of evolution, actually, you can in many ways avoid that demise right at the end. So it's about doing the right things and investing at the right time and and pulling the right levers. All very uh, easy to say when you're on the outside of a business, all very difficult when you're knee deep in it day to day. And it's why, you know, you need to take time out your business to really think about it and make sure you're always working, you know, on the business and not knee deep in it, which is the the issue that a lot, yeah. of, a lot of people we come across have really. So, amazing. I think it's, well,
1: it's very unlikely that a small business will need to diversify. Yeah. Um, you know, because the market will the, be big enough to keep, yeah. keep going and keep going and then they can go overseas. And that, like
0: it's just, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The
1: need for diversification comes when you are in a dying market and mm-hmm. your products are at the end of their life cycle too. So, some, you know, yeah. trends and technologies change. There's so something like videos where there's just no customer base for them anymore. Sure if that is you, then yeah, you need to diversify. But the 99.9% of small businesses don't need to diversify. What you do get is you get people like me and you who just like buying businesses. Um, And so that's where small business owners will just go and buy a business because that is what they want to do. And that's what they enjoy. I think the need for diversification isn't there. It's more of a... I don't want to call it a hobby, um, but it is more of a, a passion <laughs> yeah, than a need. An
0: acquisition. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's almost another business there for, for, for that in its own right. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much for um, uh, taking me through those, uh, those four ways to grow your business. And do check out the YouTube video if you have not on Profit Cash Growth. Um, really interesting. Again, Claire, with her flip chart, just brings it all to life for you. So um, I, found, I found that all very interesting. But anyway, let's move on to uh, Profit Cash Growth Extra. So every week we're going to bring you a uh, a tool, a tip, um, uh, a cheat sheet, a blueprint, whatever it is that we've come across that we think will help you with your business. Um, obviously, we come across tons and tons of things in the uh, work, work that we do with lots and lots and lots of business owners. So this week, Claire, you've got something for us that you found um, really useful. A little bit of a hack.
1: Yes. So I have been using a piece of software called Opus. I hope that I am saying that correctly. Opus. How do you spell it? O-P- OPUS. US. Yeah.
0: Sounds like an oil company.
1: <laughs> it does. <laughs> it, it does create uh, some fine art, let's say. So okay. this is a fantastic tool because it's no secret that I have been trying to create more content just like this. So it's the reason that we started the podcast. We've also got my YouTube channel and we're posting a lot more on social media too, just to try and provide as much value as possible to our lovely audience. Anyway, Opus, I can simply put the URL or the web link for my YouTube videos into it and it will create up to 15 different shorts for me that can then be posted automatically onto social media. So I'm finding that that oh. is a fantastic fantastic tool for really taking your long form content and getting multiple pieces of short form content out of it and it is cheap as chips as well I think it's like nine dollars or something like that for a month um, it's even got a free version yeah. on it so it's fantastic piece mean, of software. I've got a
0: feeling that a lot of these tips every week are going to be very AI uh, AI driven <laughs> uh, I've I've, yeah, I've got tons that I use in my business. You've got tons in your business, and and also I think um, I'm sure we're going to cover it over the weeks. But again, just uh, the cost savings that that's given you from using a you know a physical editor, and you know this fear of what AI will potentially do to the creative industry by um, you know being able to to literally do it for you without you know faster, cheaper. Um, it's it's incredible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was paying twenty five pounds per short before, and I was releasing about fifteen to twenty wow. of them per month. So yeah, to yeah, so so go from that expense. to 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 literally nine dollars, and about really? in total an hour of time to well, you know just watch yeah. them and make sure that they're viewable and things like that. It really is fantastic. So yeah, AI is definitely taking the creative world by storm.
0: So that's Opus, O-P-U-S for uh, yeah, video editing tools for your shorts and various other things. Brill, thanks, Claire.
1: Thanks, Simon.
0: So uh, thanks for joining us again this week and um, you'll hear from us again next week. I think next week we're covering uh, cash or out, which is how to exit your business, Um, whether you want out of your business, whether you want cash from your business. We're going to deep dive into that topic, which I think is going to be a fascinating one, probably will resonate with a lot of our listeners. And um, where can people find you and your business, Claire? And what's the best things to do if they want to chat with you, work with you?
1: So profit, cash, growth is a business name. We are on obviously the website and we are on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or sorry, X as it's now known, TikTok, YouTube, absolutely everywhere. Hopefully you will see my efforts to increase my visibility have been paying off and you should find it quite easy to find me.
0: Indeed, definitely, definitely get yourself on the YouTube channel. That is one of the best places and some of the most valuable content, of course, after this podcast. Thanks, guys. See See you next week. Bye.